It's such a privilege to be in the international service. Why are you sitting down? Are you tired? This is my third service, fourth service this weekend already. Come on, let's just stand up for just a moment. Let's pray that you understand my American English. Because I know this is the international community, but we just have a little bit of time together. And I would love it if you would just pray with me as we start. Jesus, thank you. That tonight is not by accident, but it's by your divine arrangement that we have these few moments together. So Jesus, presence yourself and help me communicate that which what all that you put on my heart. And Lord, I pray you help everyone else to stay awake. Amen. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, are you ready? Turn to the other person on your other side and say, I'm ready. Are you ready? Put one hand up in the air, one hand up in the air right now. Put the other hand up in the air, which I can't do because I'm holding a microphone. Stretch your hands forward and rub the shoulders of the person in front of you right now. And if you have no one in front of you, why are you sitting so far back? You're now missing out. Well, it's such a privilege to be here. Such a privilege, such a privilege. It is such a joy to be in this incredible, breathtaking Samsung Center. To be here is amazing here in Zurich. Can we give all the technical team a round of applause for the great job, the worship team, the band, and just setting a standard that is breathtaking for the local church in Europe. And being a local church pastor based in Bradford, England, and knowing all the hard work that it takes just to run one particular service, it is just brilliant to see you doing church so well. But of course, we're here because the church is not the building. The church is the people. And as I start to bring the word of God today, I would really help it in this, my fourth service now, is if you could help me by saying amen. Amen means so be it. So when you're responding and you're saying so be it, then you're responding and you're happening and releasing and triggering what God is doing inside of you. And so it would help me so much. It would help me stay awake. I mean, help you stay awake. Help the person around you. If you could learn the power of response, clapping, because it works a little bit like this. If one person says, amen, that's good. But if all together we all say amen, it sounds like this. Say, amen. wow, so much better, so much better. So if we can just start, even though I know I'm in a British culture in my context when I preach, thinking, conservative, British people. But here's the thing, you guys. God wants us to respond not from our mindset, but from our spiritual mind. And from our spiritual mind, we learn to look with our spiritual eyes. And what I want to communicate today is it's going to take some concentration. It's going to take some focus. But it's also going to take a spirit response to trigger God to do something supernatural in Zurich, Switzerland, and in Europe. So can we say amen? amen. I'll take it. But I would, be rather, I would be rather more blessed if you could start to get creative as well. In uh, my home context, you know, often it's like we sit around the meal. I don't know if you like food. Does anyone here uh, love to cook, chef? Does anyone here like to eat food? Yeah, good. Well, I'll talk a little bit about that as I preach today, but 
But in my family, if you don't compliment when the food's being eaten, it literally gets taken off the table because my dad was a chef. And if you don't say, this food is good, he takes it off the table. And there's something about that spiritually that when you're in the word of God, that if you start responding from your spirit and you, let, you, you bypass all of your pre-existing conditionings and you respond as a child of God, childlike on your faith, and you start to get excited about the word of God, things come out of your mouth like, preach it, brother, come on, somebody. See, that's not very Swiss, but I, I entirely think it's biblical. I don't think this building, this Samsung Center existed because it was in the status quo or the culture. I believe it was conceived because God wants to do something incredible and he wants to use you to set the pace, not just for Switzerland. I think that the time you're here in this international community is by God's design. And so as we approach the word of God and apply this, I wanted to talk about what I would call this aspect of faith. So turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. If you've got a Bible, that would be great. If not, I think it's going to come up on this brilliant screen where it says this. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Let me just stop there. When we talk about fixing our eyes, I want to talk about the acrostic called fix. What does it mean to fix our eyes on Jesus? Fix, the letter F, stands for focus. Already as I'm communicating, some of you are thinking about what you're going to eat for dinner tonight. Are you thinking about the busyness in your week ahead? Are you thinking about some of the challenges that you've got going on in your life right now? But the ability to focus and concentrate is a God-given gift. Earlier on in my life, I went to Africa. We have missions programs there, and because I started off as a percussionist, I love to be in Africa and some of the different nations. And I was in Kenya, at the foot of Mount Kenya, and one of my friends, tremendous friends, who's a pastor there, he started to tell me, and we went, he started to talk to me about the different animals that were there. And one of my favorite animals is the warthog. Does anybody love the warthog? It's a great animal. I don't know what your favorite is, but this is why I love the warthog. The warthog has the shortest focused attention span of practically any other animal. The warthog can only focus for about 15 seconds at a time, which causes all kinds of problems for the warthog. And my friend tells me that when a warthog begins to be chased by a lion, the warthog starts running and it takes off running so fast and then the warthog forgets why it's running. And as it forgets why it's running, it has a rude awakening when the lion attacks it. And then it remembers, run. <laughs> but by then it's too late because it's in the claws of the lion and it gets eaten. Church, do you remember whose you are? Do you remember you have authority over the enemy, authority over the devil, that you have all the power that Jesus gave you? Do you remember whose you are? Because when you start running from challenge, you should at some point remember you are a child of God. We sing that song. We are a child of God. Do you know that song? And as you sing that song, you turn around and you start to focus on who Jesus is and you put the enemy in his place. See, in my situation, when I grew up, I didn't understand the power of focus. 
I didn't understand how important it was. Because the truth is, in our life, the enemy can make us ineffective when he just keeps us busy. When he just keeps us worried about so many different things that we have no time to pause and take a deep breath. Just take a deep breath right now. It feels so good to be in the house of God. Doesn't it feel so good to be in the worship tonight with that worship team and we sing that song, he's the God of miracles. And, he, and you just think, he are the God of miracles. You know, that moment that we just experienced together in worship, that might be the only time this next week where you have time to pause and reflect and think. Tomorrow might be a busy day. And what I've learned in life that, that we have to learn that our focus is absolutely crucial if we're going to move forward. Focus not on our own challenge, but on who Jesus is. You see, one time I was sitting at my family table, my restaurant, and my dad was there, and he was talking about his restaurant hotel business, and we have about 200 staff, and he was talking about the challenges and the bankruptcies and all the things that he was facing and some of the things he was going through. And as I started talking, he started magnifying the problem. He started talking about the crisis and the panic and the situations. And I remember fear creeping into my heart at 15 years old, thinking, how are we ever going to get through this? And I watched him magnify this situation and this problem. And then my mom, at some point during that conversation, she turned to me and she said, what we have to do is stop making a molehill into a mountain. See, when you start to focus on your problem, your problems have a life all of their own. And what I've realized in growing and moving forward and working with people in different areas and different jobs and different occupations that they have is this simple fact that if we stop looking at the size of the problem and we look at how big our God is, we suddenly find the right perspective. You know, we went to the mountains in Switzerland yesterday where the winter camp is, those beautiful mountains. Often some of our problems seem so large that they seem immovable. But what does our God say? Our God says that mountains will move when we start to have faith. So let's look at what this faith is. Jesus called it pioneering and perfecting faith. These two things he talked about, pioneering and perfecting faith. These two aspects, these two aspects when they combine start like this. Pioneering means to begin, to step out and to start. To start might mean a very small step. A small step, a small conversation, a small business plan that you're crafting up and about ready to launch. But I've learned this, that the Bible says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. You see, often we're waiting for some big prompting from God or a big prophetic word or something big to get us going, when in reality, all we need to do is take one small step. And if we take one small step, we'll find that there was a, a next step and a step after that and a step after that. But I've learned this. Living in Europe, building church in Europe, one small start is incredible. But our small start should never stay small. You might take one small step, but don't stay small. Keep moving forward. The, Jesus didn't just say have pioneering faith. He said, have pioneering faith. What's pioneering? Pioneering is taking a step forward, taking that start, going for it, taking that one initial step. But then he says, we should perfect our faith. 
We should keep walking forward and not stop. What's perfecting? Perfecting is moving forward, step after step, day after day. We keep moving forward. That's perfecting faith. And whatever you're facing in life, if you stop moving, you play to an enemy's hand. If you stand still, if you get tired, if you get weary, I understand that challenges get like that sometimes. But we have to decide and make an inner decision. Until Jesus comes back or until we go to heaven, we will keep believing, keep focusing, and keep moving forward. Can I get an amen? amen. Because it's that sense of moving forward that makes all the difference in your life. Focus. My next letter is this, intention. What's your intentionality? What would you like to start? You know, it's one thing to imagine it and dream about it, but until you put it into action, it just stays a dream. You have to take it off the shelf and get intentional about your focus. And then finally, what we're focusing on is the cross of Jesus Christ. So many people talk about what their dream is and they want to have an idea. And here's what I've learned about our dreams. Our dreams are never safe until we put them in the hands of a bigger God. Our dreams, our imaginations, our plans, until we take them and put them in the hands of Jesus and say, Jesus, this is my dream. Our dreams can never find the sense of fulfillment that they want to find in life. So I'm saying focus. Get intentional about your growth in 2017. Get a business plan. Get a financial plan. Get some agreement going on with your partner, with your friends. Start talking about the power of agreement. And suddenly, you'll find that you'll have a momentum in your life. You'll find that your pioneering faith and your perfecting faith start to grow your life into this area I want to call pinnacle. The pinnacle is the apex. It's the highest part. And guess what, ICF Zurich? You are now part of a pinnacle church. You are now the study of and talk of other churches in England. Churches that you've never met are talking about your faith. They're talking about what you've done. But guess what comes the responsibility of being a pinnacle faith church? The responsibility that comes with that pinnacle, that apex, that crown, means that some people will look at you and look at your church, and they may even criticize it. Can we talk a little bit about that? How do we handle our critics? How do we handle people that disagree with us and don't understand us and question our motives. Well, I've learned in life the best thing that we can do to our critics is to love them. The best thing we can do with people who don't understand with us is start a small conversation and not an argument, not a disagreement, because what I've realized is we only have one enemy and the enemy is not flesh and blood. The enemy is the devil. So when we don't allow the enemy to cause us to fall out with our brothers and sisters, even those who don't know Jesus, and we love them. What are we doing? We are outworking the love of Jesus Christ. Doesn't the Bible say to pray for our enemies? Doesn't it say that we should love those who don't understand us? Doesn't it say that we should look at those who persecute us and start to pray for them? Now you might think, well, that's a hard word, but listen, in my hometown, I live in Bradford, England. We have 100,000 Muslims in our inner city, many of those from Pakistan. And you know what I think? I think there's just more people to love. I just think there's more people that I can talk to Jesus about. A lady walked in our church. She had never heard the name of Jesus. 
And as we were worshiping Jesus, she was there and she was clothed from head to toe, just her eyes showing. And she was in the presence of Jesus, just weeping and weeping and weeping because Jesus accepted her. What if we accept people and we look past their clothing and we're not frightened, we're not fearful of them. But what does the Bible say? Perfect love casts out fear. It might just be a small conversation, but this is what I've learned when I go to the kebab shop in Bradford. When I go to get food on a Friday night and they say, Steve, you're from America. You have an American accent. I was born in Wenatchee, Washington. Why are you in Bradford? Why are you here? And I say, I'm here because Jesus cares about you and I'm here to let you know who he is. You know, every time I have that conversation, I'm a little bit scared, I'm a little bit frightened. And now I've realized after having so many conversations, having so many of these conversations with people who are so different than me, that people are looking for the same thing. They're looking for love. They're looking for acceptance. They're looking for value. They wanna make a difference in their life. They just don't know how to do it. And so I am shelving my fear. I'm getting rid of the things that hold me back and I'm standing up and I'm saying, I will love people like Jesus loves them. I will do the best that I can with the little bit that I have. That's what it means to have faith that starts to grow again. And then people around us say, well, well, you know what? I'm okay with you starting small, but I'm not okay with this pinnacle faith, with you growing, with you becoming larger. And I've learned this. If we humble ourselves before the Lord, if we humble ourselves, God has a plan for us called promotion. But if we're proud, guess what? Then God opposes the proud. But if we can be humble with what we've been given, humble with this beautiful center right here in Zurich, if you can be humble, why can't the nations stream to this church? Why can't they find Jesus in this location? Why can't the sick walk in and be healed by the power of God? And so the songs that we're singing are not just words that we sing but there are power of the demonstration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ himself, Lord God Almighty, King of kings and Lord of lords. Why can't that be our experience? Well, because if that happens, well, we'll get proud. This is what I've learned. If I humble myself, if I'm the same person that I was all those years ago and just love and embrace people, guess what God wants to do? God wants to bring success after success after success after success to you. How do I know this? Let's look deeper at how Jesus operated. Turn with me now to Mark chapter 11, because the Bible is the best source for life. Don't you agree? Amen. It is. Mark chapter 11. And it says this here in Mark chapter 11 and verse 12. It says that Jesus was hungry. Is there anyone here who's hungry tonight? Is anyone hungry for the presence of God and not for filet mignon? But you're hungry for more of God. Who wants more of Jesus? Who wants the unlimited power of Jesus Christ? That's about 15 of us. Come on, saints. Who wants Jesus? Who wants the power, the anointing, and the presence of Jesus? Come on, who wants that? 
Come on, that's about 30 of us. Come on, who wants the power and the presence of Jesus Christ for their family's sake, for their children's sake, for their neighborhood's sake? Come on, somebody. Who wants the power of Jesus Christ operating in their lives? Me. What about you? I want more of Jesus. Jesus, I want you. And here he is. He's hungry. And he walks up to this tree. He walks up to it because he was hungry. And there was no fruit on the fig tree. What did Jesus do? He cursed the tree. Then he walked away. And then the next day, he goes back to the tree. And the tree is withered overnight. It's shriveled, shriveled and shrunken. And the disciples say, what? what happened to that tree? And Jesus says this. And the Bible records this in verse 22. Jesus said, have faith in God. You know, literally what that means in the Greek is, have the God kind of faith. Jesus, when he's trying to get this over, when you have Jesus as your pinnacle, then you start to speak. And when you speak, Jesus becomes the person who removes your mountains. He becomes the person who takes away some of the challenges in life. And here he talks about this. He says, if anyone says to the mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, what should we do? Curse them. Is that what it says? No. We should hate them. No. We should pray for them. No. Doesn't even say that. It says we should forgive them. Often the reason why we're held down by some of the challenges of the past is that we've not learned the power of forgiveness. Let me talk more about the power of forgiveness. Can I go deeper and be honest? There was a time in my life when I was about 19 years old and I was praying one day I would meet a gorgeous Christian lady who would one day be Mrs. Gambill. And I couldn't find her. I know, it was hard. I couldn't get a date. And there were a lot of different girls around and I decided I would have to think about it and, and pray about it. And then finally one day, after waiting for about seven years, I was 27 years old, in my local church, in walked this beautiful girl called Charlotte. I don't have time to tell you all the story of how we met. That's for another time, but it was an incredible story. But Charlotte and I fell in love and we finally got married about 18 months, two years after that. And then we started to try to have children. Well, six years in, we still couldn't have children. You know, some people, they have children so easy. It's just an afterthought. It's like, so they, don't, they never even think about it. But, and you don't think about it much until you get married. But, but we couldn't have children. And we're praying and believing God. And nothing's, nothing's growing. And, and she's sick. And it's not good. And we're getting frustrated. And so we have to get some help. We have to ask, okay, where am I going to get help? And I have to start thinking about my future and we have to humble ourselves and we have to start seeing doctors. And doctors start to ask invasive questions about, about me and about her and about our sex life. And it's not a nice situation to go through. And then they tell me, you have to go to the hospital. And the hospital you go to, you have to go there and you have to get some help. So we, they send us to Leeds General Hospital and I'm walking up to the counter and I can't find in the big hospital the room I need to go to. 
So I walk up and I say, I, I need to go to a particular room. And the lady behind the counter is about 70 years old. She looks like my grandmother. And I didn't want to tell her why I was there. She says, why are you here? I said, I said well, I need some help for my wife. And she goes, what do you need? And I looked at them on a piece of paper and it said I needed to go to the ACU unit. Well, the ACU unit is called the Assisted Conception Unit. I don't even want to say those words. She says, do you need the Assisted Conception Unit? I'm like, I don't want to tell you. You're like my grandmother. And I don't want to have this conversation. It was an embarrassing moment. And finally I said, okay, I have to go to the Assisted Conception Unit. And we finally went to the unit. And then we tried and we still, three years later, still failed. Ten years in, praying and believing for a miracle. Doing everything that we could do in the natural to conceive. And finally, one day, I was preparing to speak at our youth conference, Rot Nations back home. And it was a Thursday evening. And Charlotte came in to where I was studying. And she had a little piece of paper. And the little piece of paper had the little mark on it. Tears running down her face. She said, Steve, I'm pregnant. I said, how did you get pregnant? <laughs> she said, I'm pregnant. And what happened next was she was sick and we fought through her vomiting and all the rest of it. But came the day my first child was born and we named her Hope. I don't know what you need today, but maybe your fig tree's withered and you've been through so many disappointments, you don't even know how to approach the mountain that's before you. I want you to know, no matter what you face, Jesus will help you find the strength and the hope to keep moving forward. That's one of the deepest things I've ever gone through in my life. That was so hard. But I want you to know that in your weakness, God's strength is made perfect. No matter how weak you feel, no matter what it is, the fact that you're here tonight in the presence of God means that you have a hope and your hope is Jesus Christ. So you should give praise to God right now because your mountain will be moved when you pray in your heart and you believe God for a miracle. And every day I hope my little girl, Hope Cherish, except she's not so little anymore. She's 13 years old. And I remind myself that we should have faith the God kind of faith, to speak out and see God move. And then I had to deal with this forgiveness. I had to forgive myself. I had to forgive God because I didn't understand what he was doing. I didn't understand that those years when I waited, those years when I didn't know that God was moving behind the scenes was because that now I get it. Just last year, there was a couple in our church and they couldn't conceive, they couldn't have children, and we prayed and we believed God. And this last year, I've just held their baby girl and they named her Charlotte after my wife. How amazing is God? That God would take some of the deepest challenges for me from my life, and now, because of what we've experienced, now we're seeing victory. This is what I wanted to let you know, church, that our trees should not be barren. Our fig tree should not stay there. No, what we're believing God for is that every service, every time we meet, somebody makes Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. What about if every day, every single day, we look to have a conversation with someone about who Jesus is? 
Even between the meetings today, I met a great guy who's a waiter in our restaurant where we're staying. He's called Angelo. Angelo is the doorman, but Angelo is also a third baseman of a baseball player. Third baseman from the Dominican Republic. And I'm already ready to tell him about Jesus. Who are you ready to tell Jesus about? It's the most amazing, life-giving opportunity that we have because we have some mountains to shift in Europe. We have some mountains that people say, the local church doesn't matter anymore. It's not relevant anymore. But I am just, uh, just childlike enough to believe that if we have a God kind of faith, we can shake Europe with the presence of God. So how do we do that? We start small, but we don't stay small. What small step can you take today before you go to bed tonight? What could it be? Could it be bringing order in your business or in your home or texting someone? What could it be so that next Sunday you're bringing someone with you to ICF International? You're inviting someone through this week and you're risking it, having a conversation. Hey, why don't you come with me? Why? Because most people, they, they come when they come with a friend, but they don't come if they think they're, that they're your, your spiritual target for the week. But if you just make a friend, they'll come with you into the presence of God. And so I'm asking wherever this message finds you, if it's about pioneering or starting something, or about moving forward and perfecting, whatever that is, if you can pioneer and perfect, we can do so much more together to grow and advance the kingdom of God in our generation. And from my heart, as a local church pastor, wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be incredible if before we go to heaven, that we would see churches like this, not just here, but in Berlin and in Stuttgart and, and popping up in different places all over Europe and right throughout the UK. Why should it just be that just a few people go to church? No, let's believe God that our tree is growing. What do we need? We need faith. What is faith? Faith is just simply worry in reverse. That's all it is. If you can worry, reverse it, and let's have faith. Instead of talking about our challenges and our crisis, why don't we admit our challenge, but say God is so much greater? Why don't we say we're struggling in infertility, but God is so much greater. He's the God who can do miracles. He's the God who can do wonders. That's the God that we serve. Amen and amen. Time is gone. Come on, jump up to your feet and let me pray for you before we finish. ICF. Are you still listening? Are you still with me? Amen. Come on right now with every eye closed in this place. Is there anyone here who's facing a challenge? A mountain? Something that's so big that it's causing you anxiety at night and you're losing sleep over it. And it's so difficult that, that you don't even know how to approach the problem. Well, here's how we start with a simple prayer. God, help me. Help me approach this mountain. Help me find faith. And if that's you right now, every eye closed, no one looking around. We have a prayer team right now standing by, and we would love to pray with you. Right now, if you're here and you have a challenge that's so great, you need prayer, just lift your hand wherever you are. For some, it might be sickness. For some, it might be business. For others, it might be a financial need you have. Wherever you are, just raise your hand wherever you are. And what you'll realize is that is that the very situation, you thought you were the only one going through it. You're not the only one. You're not isolated. God can help you wherever you 
are. And what's going to happen is our worship team is going to lead us in this song. And as we worship and as we sing, I'm going to invite you just to come out from your seat and just stand with somebody and pray. The prayer of agreement. Why? Because the Bible says, speak to your mountain. And as you speak to it, as you take action, God promises that you'll be able to see that mountain move.